Avi on Money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. It's great to have you with me. When I saw this invitation come through um, a few days ago, I thought right away that this is something that I really want to talk about. What is the topic? The topic is overseas education. And in studio with me is Charlene Prinsloo, is a wealth manager at Alpha Wealth Management. Charlene, welcome to Chai FM. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me. Pleasure. Let me sort of introduce it and, and sort of frame it in the way that within the Jewish community, overseas education, or especially tertiary overseas education, is almost a way of life, simply because... Um, the affinity and the closeness to Israel. A lot of students after school want to go spend a year there, see the different culture, get to see different people. And there are a lot of institutions there that are really open and receptive to English-speaking students, especially South African students. So the people go over there. They either spend a year doing religious studies, what is called yeshiva. Boys go to yeshiva. Girls would go to what is called a seminary. And they would spend a year there. And those institutions are costed in rands. No, I'm joking. They're costed in dollars, in U.S. dollars, and we pay for them in rands. Those of us, uh, or those of you, are lucky enough to have money overseas. That's how you would fund it. But for the most part, people have to really scrounge, get together, either save for it a long time before or really come up with a plan at the time in order to pay for this tertiary education. So this is a community where overseas education is not Strange. It's not something that they're not used to. It's something that's very, very common and it happens all the time. And it's something that people know about from the moment their children are born, but don't plan for or save for, not because they don't want to, but very often because they can't. School fees are exorbitant. Cost of living, medical aid rates and taxes, bonds, interest rates. Where you meant to put another X amount away every month to go overseas for your child, in many years' time, it's something that you can't really think about. So, Shalise, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Let's take a quick break, run to the shops, get Craig off our back, and then when we come back, we'll talk about the research that you've done about overseas education and the costs and how to save for that. Let's take a quick break. Avi on money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9. Hi, Welcome back to 101.9 Chai FM. As I said earlier, we are talking about overseas education. Charlene Prince-Louis is a wealth manager at Alpha Wealth. Charlene, welcome to Chai FM once again. Talk us through how you got in- involved in doing this research. What happened? Did you wake up one day and say, oh, I might have a kid in 20 years and he might want to go to Oxford or she might want to go to, I don't know, MIT, and how do I save for it? Yeah, so I think... Um as a wealth manager, you have these conversations uh, with your clients around saving for education. And what we've noticed is that the conversation is changing slightly. So traditionally, you know, you sit in front of a client and your client would say to you, I need to make provisions for private education in South Africa. And that's fine. And it provided they have enough time, often those goals can be met. Um, but time is always, always the crux here. Um, and then what we've started to notice is that that conversation is changing. It's private edu- education from a high school perspective is still very important to clients. But what they're asking for is is the the projections around whether they can afford to send their kids overseas um, to university overseas. And um, I'm not a mom myself, but uh, doing this exercise has has myself 
concerned really at the figures that I've, I've um, uncovered yet. So, you know, we sat down and we looked at it and it was a very, to start off with, the, the calculation was quite broad. And I mean, what universities choose? There's so many. Um, so I, I started at um, some of the top universities across the world and I tried to give a, a broad overview, not focusing on one country in, uh, specifically. And the figures are astounding. For a South African investor, and I'm, I did the calculation based in US dollars, um, for a South African investor to send their children overseas for a four-year you know, course, it's it's astounding, the figures. So I've been through your research, and as I said, I'm I, as a parent, I have sent, as I said, my children, thank God, we were very blessed to be able to send them overseas. Um, you know, they've been to Australia, they've been to New York, they've been to Israel, and I've paid all those different institutions. And I know what those figures are in my mind simply because we've paid them. But I'd like to see what the research you've come out. And that was for religious instruction. And this is for more general university. But the two tend, tend to correlate from time to time. So let's also maybe just frame it in that what makes Africa so unique is, I think, two or three factors. Number one is that it's the currency issue. Were you looking at 12, 13, 14, even maybe 18 to 1? Yes. So whether it's a pound, whether it's a dollar, whether whatever it is, Australian dollar, you've got to get that factor right. So it's let's use a, a average figure. It's 15 to 1 when you look across the, the board. Number two, our interest rates are higher than anywhere else. So if you're investing or you're saving with a risk-free rate, in other words, you don't want to have any volatility on your investment, you would get a return on your money far better than you would get anywhere else. So that's an advantage. The second thing is that um, the dollar prices are not that variable. They tend to change. They go up by slight increments simply because inflation overseas is slow, so low. So therefore, one can actually project quite accurately. So we have some advantages, but our biggest disadvantage is the fact that our currency is volatile and weak. But again, if you look at our currency over the last 10 years, it's worked, it's moved within a band. So it's not like it's going from 5 to the dollar to 25 to the dollar. It's going between 9 and 16, and you can sort of work it out around there somewhere. You're nodding. Do you agree? I agree. This is radio. Yeah. You need to talk. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, let's jump straight into it. Yeah. Where did you start your research? What universities did you look at? Okay, so I... I've broken down into some regions, uh, the US, the UK, Australia, Canada, and Singapore. Um, so some of the universities there, University of Michigan is a, a government institution in the States. Um, it's one of the, the top universities um, in the States. Um, University of Edinburgh in the UK, uh, University of Queensland in Australia, University of Toronto, and then the Nanyang Technological University in Singapore. Um, yeah, and then what I did is I, I tried to, uh, like I said, because it's quite broad and, and, you know, this, this exercise, you can go into a lot more detail than what I've gone into. I've taken a minimum annual undergraduate course, uh, tuition fee. Uh, and from a US perspective, if you were wanting to send your child to university in 2019, so next year, you're looking at $46,000 for one year's tuition. Okay, so let's break that down because, again, so if you're related to, let's say, what we would call a yeshiva, where a, a, a boy after school would go for religious instruction, 
there the fees that are quoted include the dorm and include food. So they'll get three square meals a day, and that's debatable how square they are, but they'll survive and they'll be housed. It doesn't include textbooks, it doesn't include washing, it doesn't include spending money, travel, all that. So that $46,000 at the University of Michigan, that's pure tuition. Only tuition. No course material, no textbooks, no housing, no food. Okay, let's go a step back. A ticket from here to New York. Yeah. If you shop around and you use your Vitality miles, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to pay, let's say, 10,000 Rand. Yes. From New York, you're going to get to Michigan. Let's add on another $300 for that. So let's call it another. This round off at 15,000 Rand. That's for a year, there and back. Agreed. Okay. Then you've got to clothe the individual. Varsity clothes might be easy. These days it's just jeans and a T-shirt or shorts. But they have to have multiples of that. And there's an interesting mathematical equation. I don't think you did this at Varsity. The more clothing you have, the less washing you need to do. <laughs> exactly. so For a student, ba- it's a perfect, it's a perfect formula. <laughs> you've got to balance the two. Spend the parents' money before you leave and spend less of your money while you're there. Okay, so those are the factors. So it's, it's the ticket, it's the clothing. Then also the clothing for, you know, the state. It's a different winter. Thank you. It's a different, it's a different level of clothing and those don't come cheap. So it's, you know, their clothing budget's probably twice the size of a South African clothing budget for a student. And it's something else we actually can't relate to no. because if you take our coldest winter day, if you just bundle up, yeah. you'll be fine. Yeah. Over there, it doesn't work like that. Um, I don't know if I should share this on air. When I was a student in New York in the middle of winter, we used to do something called the spit test. In the middle of winter, when it was bitterly cold, you would spit on the floor and see how long it took to freeze. And the test was if you could kick it, and it would bounce down the pavement or the sidewalk, as they would call it. And that could take you know, three between three and five seconds. Oh, my goodness. That's how cold yeah. it was. That's a different level of layering in clothing. A hundred percent. Okay. What else did you uncover as costs once you get there? Okay. So you, you want to take into account so your tuition fees, so you, however long your course is. You've got to now multiply, multiply by the number of years. Your cost of living. So, as you've mentioned, cost of food, of accommodation, wherever that may be. So, if it's a residence, if it's a student uh, flat setup, um, and then your your textbooks, your toiletries, your um, spending money, because as a student, obviously, you know, you're not going to always be studying. Um, so, there are a lot of costs. So, if I look at that. Um, I don't know, to, just to chat through the, the calculation where I broke it down uh, into a little bit more detail. You're looking at tuition of about, in, converted into rand terms, uh, 345,000. Cost of living, almost exactly the same, 287,000 for one year. So that's a total of 632. Let's round off, 650,000 rand, rand for the year. Did you take hardware and software into account here when it came? No, that I didn't actually. I didn't take into account your and the reason is just because uh, my, I was talking to my daughter and certain of her friends are doing CAT, which is a subject now in high school. Yes. The the computers or the laptops that those parents have had to buy would have been fifteen and twenty thousand rand. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, they bought good equipment that will last all the way through, but that's another thing that the one needs yeah. to factor in. You, University was so long ago for me, and we, we used our 
desktop computers at the university. Now it's tablets, laptops, and it is a requirement, I suppose, for a lot of the courses to have your own, your own laptops, your own tablets, and to get you through your four-year course. So I, that isn't a cost that I've added. So that is on top of that. Okay. So we've now got the scary, hairy figure of 650,000 rand. Yeah. But what we need to do, and we'll discuss when we come back from the break, is that that might be a big figure now. But how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? So let's go back now, now that we've sort of shocked everybody into silence and people have pulled over the side of the, of side of the highway and people have turned off their computers and they're just listening to us in the offices. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's see how we can get there. We'll be back with you in a moment. Avi on money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9. Hi, but for those of you who have just joined us in studio with me, Charlene Prinsloo, who's a wealth manager at Alpha, Alpha Wealth. That's A-L-P-H-A, Wealth. Please go to their website and have a look. I went on to this morning. Very easy. They offer a whole array of um, normal financial services, um, financial planning services. Go have a look at them. All the details are there, but we'll give them out again at the end of the show. So, Charlene, we've worked out that the average family is in for 650,000 Rand present value to educate a child in 2019 overseas. That's correct, yeah. Now, the average person who's got a 17, 18-year-old, if they're looking at that figure, they better have 2.5 million rand around or aroundabouts for the next four years in order to educate this student. I suppose you can go on a flyer that you'll send your student overseas. They'll do incredibly well and they'll get some sort of a bursary and that could help. Also, Maybe the child or the young student will go overseas with the understanding that getting a job is part, part of what of things are. Yes. Um, I won't mention who this is, but he'll know who he is and he'll kill me when I'll get home tonight. <laughs> but uh, a certain student left a lecture early and the lecturer asked him where he was going. So he said, no, I just need to go somewhere. And the lecturer said, your parents are paying big money for you to sit here. Sit here until the end of the lecture. So he SMSed the client, who was a lady that he was um, shoveling the snow out of a driveway. He says, but my lecturer won't let me out. Sorry, I'm going to be a few minutes late. And she was fine with it, but she did ask, who is your lecturer? So he replied, who the lecturer was. Yes. Anyway, the next morning, um, he's walking down the corridor. The lecturer walks up to him and says, by the way, next time you go plow my sister's driveway, oh, my don't do it on my time. <laughs> So a small community, everybody knows. Yes. You know, but that's another way of doing it. No, definitely. It does. It will help with those living expenses that we spoke about earlier. Correct. But now we've got the t- typical financial planning scenario. A young couple walk into your office. They are they, they're newly married. They're about to start their, their life. They're planning on having children, but they, they aren't at that stage yet. And they said to you, based on these figures, we would like to give our children the opportunity should it, should they want it, should they be up to it, to be able to study overseas? Please help us do it. Where do you start? So I would start with the, the main thing, and I think this is also a very difficult question to ask clients, is to have an understanding of where their children would end up studying because of that currency difference that we spoke about earlier. Because you'd want to plan to mitigate that that differential as far as possible. They look at your scenario that you just presented, which is actually University of Michigan, and they say, look, that's that's really straight down the line. Yes. Average degree, 
you know, whether it's on the right or the left of it, that's fine. Let's plan on that. On that. So a couple of things you'd need to tell the two most important things, inflation. So from a course perspective, from a, from a, a country perspective, everything will get a little bit more expensive. So what I've assumed is, let's say, a 3% inflation for, for an overseas um, uh, institution. For those of you who are choking, we did say overseas institution. Overseas. Okay, 3% inflation, something we haven't seen yet in the last 200 years. But anyway. It would be nice. <laughs> um, so currency depreciation. So South African rand to the U.S. dollar. Right. On average, like you mentioned earlier, it's generally been within a band. I've assumed a 7% currency depreciation. So basically what we have here is your 600, that's 632,000 rand for tuition fees for the 2019 year. And if we t- multiply that by four, it equates to about 2.5 million rand. We need to escalate that by 3% inflation and the 7% currency depreciation, so by 10%, okay, and have that projected out. If we assume my, the clients that I'm sitting in front of have a four-year-old that they're looking to to send overseas, that gives us 14 years worth of, of investment time. So that 2.5 million rand projected over the next 14 years at a 10% overall um, escalation ends up to be – to a, a future value of about 9.6 million rand in 14 years. Now that is a huge number. Now how the next question is 9.6 million rand. Well, how much am I going to need to save on a monthly basis now? So you bring that back. If we had to save in an investment product that gave us about 9%, that's what my calculation um, uh, assumed. If we look at the South African market as it is now, um, a 9% return. Is a great return. Yes, in, I in today's, that's optimistic. Yes, but that's it's optimistic. Nine percent um, over the next fourteen years, I think, is possible. You would need to save, starting from today, so from this month, sixteen thousand. Let's round it up. So seventeen thousand rand per month, and e- each year that would need to escalate by ten percent per annum for the next fourteen years to achieve that nine point six million rand target. When we look at these figures. You know, if you look across the spectrum of people, I'm sure there were certain clients where the husband and wife will look at each other and their eyes will glaze over and they'll say, thank you very much. And they'll walk out and they'll just be despondent like it's never going to happen. There being another couple will look at each other and smile and say, wow, we thought it was going to be a lot Lot more. more. Could you put something together for us? And, you know, instead of escalating it at 10% annum, let's escalate it at 15 so that, you know, maybe we don't need to save for, for 14 years. We can save for 10. 10 yeah. And then we can just let the capital grow. And then you're going to get a whole plethora of people in the middle who are going to look at you and say to you, Shani, please, please help us make a plan. Yeah. And, and let me say what I can. Exactly. And my answer to clients always is, is the Nike sign is my mantra. Just do it. Just yeah. start. Start. You don't know what the future is going to hold. Exactly. There might be a hiatus of two years where you, you just can't save a penny. And there might be two years where you can save everything. Yes. But if you're not in the game, yeah. then when those events happen, you can't Don't even manage. have an option. Exactly. Yes, I agree so with that. So I think maybe the first thing to look at is if you take the average person, I suppose they would want a an investment vehicle that's totally flexible. Yeah. That should things get tight, they're not going to be penalized for slowing it down or for stopping for a period. But if they want to increase it, it's not going to change the nature of the investment. Agreed.
Yeah. Right. So, so that's maybe the, the, the first thing to look at. The other thing, and I, I keep coming back to it, is that it does more and more. Oh, that, that maybe less and less, but I mean, when I was a student, very, very few of my friends were able to go to varsity, have a car, parents paid for everything, and it was just lacquer. Almost all of us did extra jobs, worked, worked on the weekends, waited. It was not strange to go to a particular restaurant for a cold drink or coffee because your buddy was working the, yeah, there. The waiter there. Exactly. Not like a scam. I don't want to go there because I don't no, want to you went there to spot him. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and that created a whole vibe. Mm. Um, and I remember once being told by a, a student just, it's, it's pathetically sad, but not only did he get an honors, but he got a master's of this particular guy where he was picking fruit to pay for lectures during lectures and from the orchards he could see the university. Oh, wow. So he was getting notes from other, other people, people so that he could stay in varsity. The whole thing is absurd, yeah. but he did it. Yeah. And yet today you hear about um, scenarios where students are not getting funding, they're not getting this, but without being facetious, without being insensitive, my question often is, are the students really doing everything that they can do as individuals to help subsidize, to help pay for university? Um, but at the same time, just to maybe share um, a, a particular uh, professor of music who's very well known in our community for many, many years has taken sandwiches to varsity every single day. Because it came to her attention that students weren't concentrating in class. They were falling asleep. They were looking disheveled. There's a music, you know, honors, I mean, finals, honors, majors. And when she went and spoke to the students, she found that the students were sleeping on campus in a hockey somewhere under a tree because they didn't have transfer money to get back home or they didn't even have a home in Gauteng to go Close to. Enough to the varsity. Not only that, they, they were falling asleep because they were starving. They didn't have the money to eat. They were waiting for students to leave their canteen before the staff could clear and they could grab some of that food. And when you think about this, you think, my word, now that is self-sacrifice yes. to get a degree. For education. And that's where privilege blinds us. Yes, I agree. Yes, we did wait and we did this, but we had the car. We had a home. So we had all the basics we just need to put the cherry on the top. top yeah. A lot of these guys don't even have the basics. And here we're talking about a super luxury, but that's just the way the world is. That yeah. There are those who are able to do it. And it's an, and it's expensive all over the world. And if you look at um, students in the States, most of the students that I know who are studying in the States do so on study loans that they pay off for years while working. How many years? Ten years, a friend of ours, literally paying off his study loan. I've got a friend now who's in his early fifties, still paying, just finished paying wow. for the degree that he never got. Oh wow, you see, never finished his degree. He's in his early fifties. He's just finished paying for the loan that he didn't for the degree that he never got. Yeah. And that's that's just normal. That's just the way it's done. It is no, that is normal there. It, it, yeah, it's uh, for us again privileged. And from a South African context, um, if you were lucky to go through university, the cost didn't leave you with a debt that lasted for a decade. Um, if you did get a study loan, and well, you did have to. You, Pay off your varsity. You could get it done within a three to five year period if you were disciplined enough. But it, you know the university all around the world um, 
it is it becoming increasingly expensive and out of the reach of most um, people just from, from the, the sheer scale of the cost. And often those South African students who did get those loans, the easiest way, those loans are often paid back by just not getting fired for the first it's three years, <laughs> staying in the company that paid for your varsity and replaying it that way. Yes. So it, it really worked. They said there's a lot of good stuff out there, but let's get back to the hardcore matters. And we already about 55% through the show. So Charlene, let's start talking about the savings mechanisms. Let's say people come to you and say, look, 16,000 rand is what I'm saving on my pension or provident fund every month. I earn 100,000 rand a month. I don't bring home anywhere near that because once my medical aids come off, once my pensions come off, and I also have a provident, da 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 da, but my provident's 15%, the package is 15%, so therefore I'm saving 15, 16,000 rand a month. In their mind, they might be thinking, you know what, but I will be 55 when my child goes to varsity. So maybe that's the plan. But then how do you retire? Yeah. So it's a, you've got a solution, but you've created another, another problem. problem. Okay. Let's, let's talk through the scenario with that four-year-old parent sitting yeah. in front of you. What type of product is one going to go into? It's, you know, the options really are, so I would start with where their disposable, what their disposable income is at the moment. Retirement for me is a, a not negotiable. You, you, it may be an option. It may be an option to take a portion if they do are 55 around the age that their children are going um, to university. But I think we'd look at their disposable income now and start saving whatever they can afford to save now. Work on that. There are, there are a couple of options. You want tax-free growth if possible. It's a long term. You've got for 14 years. There are products like endowments where the term is a five-year term. That's well within the decade and a half almost that you have to save. Um, you might reduce your tax being in a structure like that. It's not tax-free, but it, it is a reduction in tax. Especially if you're in the top bracket. In the top tax. bracket of, of your income tax, yes. <clears throat> you have your tax-free savings account. That's not going to solve this issue because of those minimum and uh, maximum amounts that you can invest every year. But you're not going to have any little worms Stealing costs and fees on the side. Exactly. It's going to be, and it's tax-free growth compounded over 14 years. It's going to add to this 9.6 million rand requirement that we need. And then also you want to make use of your exemptions that you get from, from a a, a tax perspective. So unit trust investments to a certain point that it's not causing, you know, interest income problems. Um, you want to make use of those exemptions. You also got to take into account capital gains. So it, it, it can become complicated, but the, the, the fact of the matter is there are options out there. You've got a long enough period that, um, tax efficient products are definitely something that we would consider. Um, and then m- making sure that you have that compound growth working as hard as possible to get to, to that end goal, um, is, is definitely something that can be. Implemented. It's time. It's the compounding effect. Someone's asking on the SMS line, we've tried to save. We keep emptying the account. What is our solution? And I can just see by your reaction, that's a typical thing that, you know, I remember when my kids were born, my oldest child's now 23. We saved 50 rand a month in a unit trust. And I remember doing a projection at some stage when they were still very, very young and there was a, a hundred and something thousand rand saved altogether. 
And I thought it was just unbelievable. And then all of a sudden, school fees started coming in. And, and you look around and tell, I've got this pot of money sitting here. I've got the school fees sitting here. And I've got this chasm in the middle. Why should I have a sleepless night when I actually have, but I'm going to pay for this decision in 15, 15 years, years now, which we did. Mm. But ultimately, the savings in the early days, in small amounts, really amounted to something. But we had access to the money. Yeah. Someone saying to you, please protect me from myself. Yeah. What would you do? That's an endowment. You know, if you have a long enough period, the endowment has that five-year restriction. Um, it doesn't completely take the liquidity off the table. Um, but it's a it's a process. It's, a, it's an application form. It's a conversation with your wealth manager. It doesn't get paid into your bank account within a couple of hours. You know, savings account with your bank. It's very easy to do inter-account transfers. Very easy to access the money. Um, and the intention is always to repay it. But and I don't have a lot of clients who are able to repay what they've taken out of the investments. So you do want uh, restrictions like that. I mean, depending... De- Depending from a from a restrictive perspective, the only other products would be retirement products, but those are not not right for this for this objective because you lock it up at fifty five. Let's say, for example, you do have a child who's university going age at that point, you still only have access to a third of that in cash, and it's taxed. So it's not really the solution that fits perfectly. So the bottom line is that. There is no solution that will entirely protect you against your own issues. But if you work together with the wealth manager, together with the financial planner, use product that will create an interactive discussion every time you have this inkling or this itch to to remove, all of a sudden you've got somebody else to support you and help you with it. And another thing. If you are able to, to name the policy, name the investment, name the investment Bronwyn's University Fund, because your wealth advisor is going to be like, perfect, no problem. Are you happy that I redeem from Bronwyn's University Fund? That was put very nasty. Is it, do you really want me to rip money out of her? <laughs> How's Bronwyn <laughs> going to feel about this? Charlene, <laughs> let's take a quick break. We'll be back with you in a moment. Avi on money. 12 to 1 p.m. Only on 101.9. High FM. Right, Charlene, thank you for that. I got off reading one live read and well read. People, that's a great charity. Um, not only is it a, a great charity, but it's a community charity. A charity started in our community, for our community. It's something that sort of binds our community together, whether it's the Jerusalem Marathon, whether it's the Walk the Talk with 702, whether it's um, um, 94.7. It's a presence, and the work that they do is relentless, unfortunately. There are a lot of sick kids. There are a lot of kids whose lives are changed for the better by this organization. So please get involved. We all know somebody who has either needed their help or have had their help. So it, it's a great charity to get involved with. Charlene, that's coming back to saying again, talking with with kids, planning for education. Um, ultimately, education in South Africa is also a bit of an enigma because if you look at a lot of the, the education across the world, high school is usually free. Free, yeah. Um, and one has a choice of different high schools. It usually works by suburb. So a funny thing, you'll find people moving into areas yes. to get into certain schools. Yes. Um, and again, one thing that we are very blessed in the Jewish community is 
I see with my staff that the panic at the beginning or towards the end of every year, making sure that they've booked for next year, they've got their kid in, where did my husband go, what school did I go to, can I get in, you know, it, it, it becomes a major planning um, scenario, unless yeah. you're going to go to a private school like Crawford, where there are other criteria to get in, but in the Jewish community, there's no Jewish child that will not be educated, and yeah. we have many excellent schools that will accommodate children from different homes, from different backgrounds, from different income bands. So it makes it a lot easier. But those schools are very, very expensive. Maybe let's just spend a few minutes um, to help parents or young couples maybe who have just started out together now, just started their family, and life's hard. Mm. They didn't realize that medical aid and classic comprehensive is 3,500 rand a person. Yeah. And when you tell them 9,000 rand or 7,000 rand, you can see the, the, the eyes spinning in their sockets like, where are we going to come up with yeah. that when rent is already eight or nine? And we didn't realize that car insurance, the two cars, is 1,500 rand a month. Yeah. Now, Dad and Mom paid that. And all of a sudden, we want them to save. What's your advice to them? Because this is a reality. Private schooling in our community mm. is going to happen. Tertiary education overseas is very likely. <clears throat> and it's big money. What would your advice be to people who already don't have the means? Yeah. I mean... Any contribution is going to go, especially if you have the time. So time, the concept of time here is so important to start as soon as possible. If you know you are going to want a family, you're not ready to have a family for the next couple of years, but you know that that is a step you would like to take. Why not start then and there? So my husband and I, we've been married two years. I started saving. We started saving in a tax-free savings account about four years ago. So even before we were married, we knew that this was a step that we wanted to go, um, get married, have children at some point. We just started. We, I know the concept of time and what compounding can do. It just, it, it adds to, it helps me. It helps me keep the monthly contribution that I need to put away as low as possible. So I would look at education investments. Tax-free savings accounts are really great if you have a long-term period to save towards. So use that. Use the fact that it's, it's that compounding boost is given because of the, the zero tax charged on any return there. Um, and start with the minimum. Whatever you can contribute, put that away. I always say to my clients, investing is incredibly um, addictive. You see, you put your money away. You see it grow over one or two years. I mean, our markets haven't been kind to us over those one or two years. years, (laughs) Your clients have to have faith in your statement. Well, the clients have to have their money invested in in fixed income and cash. Um, But but there there have been places to make return. But you just see one rand, two rand, a hundred rand, a thousand rand on an investment amount that you've invested, invested, and suddenly. When you have money left over, you want to add it to that because you want that to grow over time. So just starting is probably the biggest hurdle. Signing that application form, loading that debit order. Also, importantly, you want to load a debit order. This whole concept of I will we'll invest, I'll deposit once I've, the month has come through, it, it really happens that you, you do invest. Or it will be two months of investing and three months of you know, not being able to invest and, and suddenly you have this very sporadic investments and that's not going to go anywhere really to achieving your goal. So rather get a modest amount on a monthly exactly. basis, add to it as one, one can. can. 
But um, it's something that you put in your press release, which I think is something that I would like to discuss, and we're running out of time, unfortunately, is scholarships. Yes. Scholarships, just from my experience, is a misunderstood term. People think scholarship, oh, those three top kids in the class, they're going to get scholarships. And that guy who is an exceptionally talented actor, he's never going to get a scholarship. And his academia is uh, iffy. No, the other way. That brilliant actor is going to get the scholarship if he approaches the right Right. places. Your daughter, who is a brilliant dancer, and academia is not something that really does it for her. That's her ticket. Yes. And that kid who is brilliant on the soccer field, and please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying if you're good on the field, you're not good in the classroom. There are many people who are good at both. But find the the niche that you have and exploit that. Use that. To get, um, I just know a youngster now who's just finished a four-year degree in an American university on a soccer scholarship, yeah. and he never plans on playing soccer ever again. He played for the varsity; they did well. He got what he needed; they got what they needed, and it was a win-win. Perfect, par- perfect partnership. And I think it's so important to do that research. There are organisations, there are websites at the moment that allow you to do some research on it to put your feelers out. You cannot just leave your head in the sand with this and then close to you know sixteen, seventeen start figuring out what scholarships will will be available. Understand what is required from you to a, apply to these institutions, um, what scholarships are available, what companies supply scholarships. There is so much information that can be found on the Internet today um, that it's worth doing your homework. So you want your kid to do his homework to get the grades and you want yourselves as parents to really understand what your options are outside of contributing this money or that requirement to send them through that four-year qualification. So just two things I'd like to add. Number one is that maybe an overseas university might be a second university. Um, You know, marks might not be good enough to really get in there. But if you do really well at varsity in your first degree, you could get into your second degree. And they often don't look at your matric results once you've finished your first degree. So get do something that you're passionate about. Yes. Do well and use it as a stepping stone. Education is never lost. No. So even if you want to do medicine, but you do music to get into medicine, it just makes you a richer person and it makes 100%. your life more rewarding. And there's another thing that you've mentioned subtly and you haven't been blunt about it, but being budget sensitive is important. Looking at your bank app and going through them. I want to ask you, and, and all the listeners out there, how much money do you get back every month from e-bucks, discovery rewards, discovery insure? It comes back in in drips and bread. It's 120 rand, 250, 300, and it just gets absorbed and yes. it gets swallowed. How much money do you earn on interest on money that you've just got sitting aside? 22 rand, 150 rand, what? and you just ignore, ignore it. it. Yeah. My challenge to you is go and add up. All those figures. Let's say they come to 500 rand a month. That's 6,000 rand a year that you are wasting without even being conscious Conscious of it. it, I promise you, if someone put 6,000 rand in a plastic bag across the garden in the middle of a thunderstorm, you'd go and fetch it. Make the effort. That 6,000 rand is, is, is waiting for you. All you need to do is be conscious of it. So every month, skim. That cream off the top and put it aside. Yeah, it's brilliant advice. 
And what does it boil down to? It boils about being savvy and looking and at your understanding, accounts. Understanding your accounts, understanding the flow of money in and out, understanding your budget, and creating habits. It, it's hard to do. It's hard to put money away. It's hard to take money out of one area of your, your finances to contribute to your kids' education. But I can tell you after four months, five months, six months of doing it, it doesn't become hard anymore. It becomes second nature. I sat with a client yesterday who's got a, a one of the big banks' money market account, and they use that as like a savings, and they transfer from that. Went through the list and added up all the six rand fifty transfer fees mm. every time they transferred. When we added up the figure into the bottom, there was actually like the sickening silence. Like I actually squander this amount of money every month. It's not material. It doesn't make a difference to that person. Well, it's one hundred and fifty rand. A tra- but you start thinking about it. Yeah, you save that. That's three grand a year. Yes. Together with the other six grand, there's ten grand that you've literally just thrown away. Yeah. Shalene, before I let you go, we are running out of time. Tell me a little bit about Alpha Wealth. Alpha Wealth is an independent um, financial advisory firm. We um, we are wealth manage wealth a wealth management specific company, um, and yeah, we have been around for twelve years. Um, have assets under management of around uh, 12 billion at the moment. Uh, That's with a B. With a B. Right. Um, and yeah, so it's a, it's a, a, a great company with a focus on understanding a client's world. We do not try and fit a client into a, a box, you know, and, and, and spit out a, a generic kind of investment recommendation. Our motto is, our motto is keep it simple. Um, and, We'll go there with a blank page and really try and understand where a client is, whether there's a gap in his financial plan, what he's having difficulty doing in terms of buying or selling or saving, whatever the, whatever the financial difficulty he's having, we challenge our clients to, to use us and say, let us find a solution. Um, and that's what the keeping it simple and blank page approaches is really focused on. Um, and you mentioned that a lot on your webpage, non-judgmental, open, come yes. have a look. Is there any client that would feel that they're too small for you? You know, we don't have a minimum. Uh, we take a view on our clients and on their objectives. If their goal is wealth accumulation – whether there are people for them, whether that wealth accumulation amounts to 2 million rand, that wealth accumulation amounts to 20 million rand, we partner with clients who want to make a difference in their financial plans. Um, and that, that, that's, our, that's our target market. There's no minimum requirement. Fantastic. So your website is alphawealth.co.za and a phone number? It's 011-707-1340. Great. I know you are the advert um, or the live read expert, but can I do this one quickly? Yeah, no, you, I'll give you this time. Fantastic. <laughs> this is about Hirsch Lion Schools as promoting Explore to Win More competition, and that's until the 27th of September. So what do you have to do? This will be a hunt for clues, pictures and riddles at over a seven-week period in different Jewish sponsor stores in conjunction with Pick and Pay Hypermarket. For more information, please go to their webpage, with their Facebook page rather, which is facebook.com forward slash Hirsch Lions Schools. That's one word. And there are many, many prizes up to grabs. Hirsch Lions Explore to win more competition this week, which is from the 24th to the 31st of August. The clue, picture and riddle can be obtained at the sponsor store, which is 
Nisbun's Butchery, that's 53 Ridge Road, Den Hazel, and at Pick and Pay, Norwood Hyper. There are also more in-stores competitions at Nisbun's Butchery. This is, and, and that's also in Pick and Pay, Norwood Hyper. So go along to those two stores, find the clues, and you could really, really win from there. Charlene, we're slightly out of time, but if I summarize our discussion, it's in people's reach to educate their children. They're just three factors. They need to start saving. They need to start saving early. And unfortunately, they need to save the right amount in order to get there. But those three variables need to work together. Agreed. And uh, just to end off, one mistake that people please mustn't make is think, I'll start later, but I'll be more aggressive. Yes. And then I will do well. That's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. There's a chance it could. No, there's a couple that can make it work. but And the probability is that your kid will not be going to varsity. Yes. Great. Charlene Princey from Alpha Well, thank you so much for being in the studio. It was great to have you. Thank you for reading the live ad. Thank you for having me, and thank you for challenging me like that. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Great. Everybody, thank you for listening. We will speak to you next week. Have a great week. Thank you. Goodbye.